Good morning, everyone. We find ourselves in Genesis 10 this morning. It's likely a chapter of genealogies um, looking at how the earth was repopulated after Noah and his family got off the boat. And it goes through the family line of Noah's three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japa, and how the earth moved forward until we get to chapter 11 and the Tower of Babel. It's interesting looking at the genealogies. I mean, if, if if one had time, you could go through each person of the genealogy and see what they did and what significance um, they had to the Bible. Some would have definitely more than others. As I've been reading through, I've been comparing to the genealogy listed in Luke. If If you had your Bible and wanted to turn there, you could go to Luke chapter 3. And in Luke chapter 3, the genealogy is traced all the way back to Adam. So it's neat to kind of compare and see where um, the family line of Jesus came from. And what we find is that Jesus came through Shem and then through his son. And it's it's spelled a couple of different ways, but Arphaxad, I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce that, but Arphaxad was one of the sons of Shem and our facts had then had Shela, and that's how the family line of Jesus moves forward that you read in Luke chapter three. What's really interesting though is you know, as I was studying this this morning, there is a name inserted in Luke that our facts had had Canaan, uh, which there's a couple of different Canaans in the scripture, but it's spelled the same way here c a i n a n and that Canaan then was the father of Shelah, which that Canaan is not mentioned in Genesis chapter ten. So when we see uh, when we see Shem have our Pakshad, you can read it in verse twenty four of chapter ten. It said our Pakshad was the father of Shelah, and Shelah was the father of Eber, and we don't have Canaan listed. So I started doing some research on how that came to be. And honestly, they just don't know. They don't know if perhaps it was a copy error um, that got continued. They don't know if perhaps um, there was someone adopted possibly into the family and that Canaan being adopted, possibly then raised Shayla. Um, but it's possible that there's just some type of copy error, or maybe Luke discovered something that we don't know. The, 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 the answer really is, we don't know. And I think that leads us to an interesting point. You know, we wholly believe that God's word is inspired. It's God-breathed. It's something that you can trust. It comes from God, even though it was written by human authors, that God's overarching breath and inspiration is over the scriptures. We also believe that God's word is inerrant, meaning without error. Now, that brings up an interesting question. How is inerrancy typically defined? And typically it's defined in this way, that that in the original autographs, that everything in the Bible is wholly true in what it affirms or in what it teaches. 
that you can trust that what God's Word teaches is without error. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean then that in what it teaches is without error, but possibly there are some copy errors or some insertions that um, that are insignificant in what they teach, but in a sense could be error or um, yeah, I guess that's how the best way to describe it. And and usually a definition for inerrancy does allow for that, meaning that there are some things that we just can't explain. There are times in the scriptures where uh, some versions might say there were 70 additional disciples, and another version might say there were 72 uh, additional disciples. Some very minor things like that. And sometimes what will happen is, is if you were to go to a, a a website or someone who wanted to discredit the Bible, they would they would find things like this and then they would say, "See, see, you can't trust your Bible. You know, it's got an it's got an error in it." And I, church, I don't want that to trouble you. Uh this Bible is so trustworthy and so true and so reliable. And I think people who are using something like that to try to discredit the Bible just don't know why to believe it and almost want to almost don't want to believe it so want to try to come up with some kind of relief from the fact that they can somehow say well I don't need to trust it because it's it's got this uncertainty about it church if you research the Bible and how old and new testaments tie together and all the evidence for Jesus and all the prophecies that have come true through the scriptures, it has been shown to be reliable, trustworthy, and true. There's so many evidences I could give. You know, one that I often talk about is the Dead Sea Scrolls. You know, there were, there was we, the oldest copy of the Bible that was known to mankind was from about 900 A.D. So Jesus lived in about 33 A.D. And we didn't have a copy of the Bible that was, the paper was dated before Jesus. So a lot of people would say, hey, how do you know those prophecies in the Old Testament that were told about Jesus? How do you know they weren't written after the fact? Because you don't actually have a copy of the Bible that predates Jesus. So maybe somebody just kind of made all those look good. Now, there are ways of dating the Old Testament. Like, for instance, if you were looking at it in its original language of Hebrew, they wrote a certain way. And by the way that people wrote, you can begin to tell um, what era it was written in. So there are ways to date things like that. But the fact was, we did not have a copy of the Bible that predated Jesus. So what's interesting is, is when those sheep farmers found uh, the, the beginnings of what was known as the Dead Sea Scrolls in the Dead Sea Caves area, um, they didn't know what they found, and they sold what they found relatively inexpensively. And eventually then the people, you know, where did you find these? And they went back and they began to search these caves that were in hillsides uh, in the Dead Sea region. And they found hundreds and hundreds of scrolls in these caves. And what happened was, and 
the two three hundred BC range, the Jewish people were getting persecuted heavily, and the 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 Roman Empire, I believe, that was beginning to take charge was uh, burning their scrolls. So they went and hid them out in these caves, and they had remained there all these years. So in the 1947, I believe, is when these scrolls were found in these caves, and they've dated them now to be between two and 300 B.C., the age of these scrolls. So listen, what's really interesting about that is we had a gap in our the age of paper from 980 to 300 BC. So basically an 11 1200 year gap and now now we had a copy of the Old Testament 1200 years older than any copy we had, which meant that now you could compare the 980 copy to the 2300 BC copy. So how accurate, you know, you hear about the telephone game and, and you know, if you try to pass on information, how how accurate would it go? And in this case, 11 or 1200 year gap. And what's amazing is that if you compare the copy of the 980 Bible to the 2300 BC Bible, how extremely reliable and accurate despite this massive gap in years and it just shows that these copiers were very sincere and worked very diligently to be accurate and it it shows that you can trust your bible it also shows that all those prophecies about jesus all existed well before jesus ever existed because every book of the bible was found in the dead sea scrolls that is old testament because this is before the new testament you know before jesus ever lived so of course they didn't find the new testament in those caves they found the old testament every book besides the book of esther was found in those scrolls isaiah 53 was one of the most well-preserved scrolls found and of course that's the one where you know we read about jesus being you know the lamb of god who takes away our sins you know he was crushed for our iniquities all of that and we like sheep have gone astray each to our own way, but the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's all found in Isaiah 53. That was all found in those caves. So what am I trying to say? Inerrancy means that in the original autographs, the Bible is wholly true in all that it affirms. You can trust the Bible. If there ever is some kind of very minor thing found, like what we talked about in the book of Luke, don't let it trouble you. God has some kind of explanation that we don't know, or possibly some human rarely and occasionally made a copy error. Big deal. There's so much evidence to affirm God's word. People should learn that. And once you learn all the evidence to affirm God's word, it's not going to trouble you when you find something small and insignificant like that. So uh, that's going to be our word today and from Genesis chapter 10. Uh, you can trust in the, the Word of God, and uh, I look forward to speaking to you again in chapter 11.